Our guest this time tells us about the way her relationship to the idea of death has changed over time, and how a ghost sighting fits into those changes. I'm Tim Mullen, and this is Your Haunted Life. Joining me today is Diana. Um, Diana, could you tell us a little about yourself? Hi, um, my name's Diana. Super exciting. I am 36 years old. I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in a very rural area and moved away to the big city at 17, got a couple useless college degrees, and now I work a very boring corporate job that pays the bills. Got a lot of hobbies. I love film. Um, I'm into all different types of art, music, makeup, all kinds of fun stuff. Wendy walks through the woods, you know, whatever. Awesome. Not good at introducing myself. <laughs> I, I think that was fantastic. <laughs> is the story you have for us one of a kind or is it kind of a common occurrence for you? I've never had the exact same occurrence again, um, but I have had other events happen. I would say I've had about probably a half dozen over the course of my life that are things that I really can't explain. And I'd preface that by saying I'm actually a pretty big skeptic. I've always been really interested in supernatural stuff and uh, mythology and love to hang out in the cemetery as a child. There was two on our property I spent a lot of my time in. And growing up on a farm is kind of relevant because I've I've always known death was a thing. I've always grown up with death. I've seen dead things. I always knew that, you know, when you go go to the great slumber, like it's over. I didn't have those sort of gentle illusions that a lot of children have about death until you're older. They say once you realize that you're going to die, you're not a child anymore. I always knew I was going to die. That's just something I grew up with. So I feel like those sort of subjects have always been in my life. Was that couched in in like any kind of religion or was it very... Because I, I know there's the experience of on the farm and what you see. I'm kind of curious how that how that was talked about in your house, if at all. Um, we started going to church when I was probably seven. A friend on the bus invited me to Sunday school, and I consider saying yes one of the biggest mistakes that I made <laughs> as a young person. Um, because I went to Sunday school a couple times with my friend and said, oh, this is fun. And then my parents wanted to go to Sunday school and church every week. So mm. I spent an hour in Sunday school and an hour in church um, for 10 years and was sent to vacation Bible school and church camp and all of that stuff. And I was a very, very weird little kid that did not fit in with anybody and a huge tomboy. And the church does not like gender nonconforming people even though they didn't really have that terminology when I was little. So it was not a positive environment. It was kind of, um, I was the square peg getting slammed into the round hole. But also growing up in that environment, I was sort of told like, we don't discuss supernatural things. Those things are, if, if they exist, they're evil. We really don't think they exist. When people say they exist, they're, they're crazy or they're delusional like goes against the Lord, all that kind of stuff. Like I would come home with mythology books when I was little, just because I found them interesting. And my mom thought I was going to convert to like the Norse religion um, when I was like eight. 
This was something that really plagued her. So it was really frowned on to talk about those things, be interested in those things. Uh, for like the, the more mundane death that you would see uh, kind of on a farm, did your parents talk about that at all? Or it was just very matter of fact since you, since always? It was just part of, it was just part of life. Um, I can impart a, a, a quick story to you to give you some idea of how it was treated. Sure. When I was, I don't remember exact age, somewhere between 10 and 13, we had a calf die and my dad buried them somewhere on the farm apparently did not bury them deep enough because they came home one day and their skull with no eyes, no ears and no tongue was sitting in my front yard. Mm. And it really creeped me out um, because one of my jobs on the farm was to take care of the calves. So like I raised Mm. them and it was really hard to see like a decayed one. And I I was really unsettled by it. It was literally just laying in my yard when I got home. And my mom said to me like, well, you know, things die. Don't be a baby. Like, Okay. And that was the that was the extent of that conversation. So we were very much expected to just go with the flow of that. Like it was just very normal that you would like love this animal and raise this animal and then they would be slaughtered someday. Like it just sort of went without saying that that was going to happen. Thank you. What is your story? Uh, so when I was 10 years old, my aunt and uncle bought a very large house that was built in the 1920s. Really unusual looking, large cut stone house. I wish I had a photo of it. Just very, very odd looking house. I've never seen one like it to this day. So it was custom built for this gentleman who owned a business in the downtown of the very small city that they live in. It's only a city of about 18,000 people. And he lost everything when the stock market crashed. And the local rumor was that he hung himself in the attic. Um, My aunt, I guess, researched it and found out he actually hung himself at his business and not inside the house. But he did commit suicide. Um, And the very first time I went to the house, she was showing us around and she took us up to the attic and I just immediately got intensely unsettled. And this was before I had heard this story. Just really, really uncomfortable. And um, I wouldn't go in the basement. I refused. I've never been into their basement ever to this day. And uh, my cousins, their rooms were all either next to the stairs that went to the attic or under the stairs that went to the attic. And within a few weeks of them moving in, they started refusing to sleep in their rooms. They would hear things in the attic. They would hear things on the stairs. And they were just really freaked out. Uh, They ranged in age, I would say, from like about eight to 12, maybe at the time, three boys, they would sleep in with their mom, which you know how uncommon it is for a 12 year old boy to be like, mommy, I need you. Let me sleep in bed with you. Like that was probably mortifying for them um, in our very heterosexist culture to circle back to my evil feminism. Um, But they were just terrified. They wouldn't go up there for any reason. They didn't, they would hang out in their rooms during the day if it was daylight. Once it wasn't daylight, they would not sleep in them. They'd sleep downstairs or wherever else in the house. But the basement in particular just really terrified me. It, it There wasn't really anything particularly creepy about it. It wasn't cobwebby or messy or anything. Just a pretty typical stone basement with a dirt floor. But I would never go down there. So their basement door was in their kitchen. One day I was 
I was hanging out there with my cousins in the swimming pool, which was pretty much right outside their front door. I came in to go to the bathroom. When you walked in, the house had a very unusual kitchen with sort of a, a square layout with an island in the middle. And you had to walk in through one door and then sort of cut around the island to a back corner to get to the bathroom. And then the corner opposite from that was the basement door. So I mosey in. It's the middle of the day, not really paying attention. And when I walked in the kitchen, there was a woman standing in the kitchen next to the island. And she looked at me and then she disappeared. And it terrified me, like absolutely terrified me. Like she didn't have irises. Her eyes were just white. Oh. Um, and her body was like, she was solid. And then she wasn't solid, if that makes sense. And then she was just gone. She sort of just looked at me and opened her mouth. She didn't make any noise. It was like she was trying to talk or scream or something. Um, but I didn't hear anything. And then she was just gone. And I sort of vaguely remember what she looks like, that she had kind of wavy blonde hair. And my, even at the time, my memory was very fuzzy on what she was wearing, almost like I was seeing two things at the same time. Interesting. And I went back outside and I didn't say anything, but my aunt could tell I was really, really freaked out. And she did, asked me about it. And eventually I told her. Did she, was there any, any emotion in her face or body language? Is there, were there, you know, me, she looked, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Maybe All not. I can say is it terrified me to the point that after I told my aunt, I never talked about it again until I was 17 or 18 years old, okay. which I was 10 when it happened. So that was a long time. I was riding somewhere in a car with a friend and we were just generally talking about this, you know, supernatural. And I just started telling him. And as soon as I told him, like tears just started rolling down my face like that was how affected I was it was like the look was like helplessness and terror and anger and just everything that you think you would impart to someone if it was like the last 20 seconds you were ever going to see them gotcha. just really really horrifying but also yeah. like heartbreaking I guess it, it sounds like it did your aunt have any kind of reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, she was, like I said, she was kind of relieved because she had had a lot of bad experiences in the house. Just a lot of weird feelings and like, you know, seeing things that weren't there. I think more in the realm of like seeing something out of the corner of her eye and then it would disappear or seeing right. shadows. Um, I know she slept on the couch a lot. She also did not like to sleep upstairs. And... um she was kind of like back and forth on whether she believed some of the stuff going on with her sons or not. I think some of it was, you know, she's a mom with three young boys and she just really wanted them to leave her alone sometimes. So I think that was a little much for her to deal with. But my uncle was very, very, not even skeptical, just like, it's not real. You're crazy. Don't talk to me about this. Like get your sons under control, like that kind of behavior so to her I think it was nice to have an outside party be like yes something is going on here even though it was a 10 year old <laughs> right yeah uh, was there any um cultural or religious context that you had when it happened with 
I mean, by then I had been going to church for a few years. And my my parents are Baptist. So they're very fire and brimstone. You either ask Jesus to forgive your sins and you get baptized and you go to heaven or you don't do do those things and you go to hell. Those are the only options. Like they don't believe in purgatory or limbo or anything like that. Life after death is you're in heaven in the good place or you're in hell burning for eternity. So to see what I can only describe as a ghost because I don't know what else to call it. Definitely outside of the realm of what I was told was supposed to exist. But that wasn't my first supernatural experience, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. So it was scary, but I don't think I was as skeptical as as like my parents would have liked me to be in the situation, for lack of a better way to put it. Has any of that changed over time? Has that has that kind of impacted your worldview at all? Seeing her definitely has, especially because it was a few years after I saw her, I had this dream. I hadn't been to my aunt's house in years, and I had this dream of a bunch of people carrying someone wrapped in a sheet into the basement, which could have totally just been my mind, you know, whatever. But and I mean, this was years and years later, like I didn't live at home anymore. I had a job and I just woke up so convinced that she was down there. And I started going through like missing persons reports and all kinds of things, like trying to see if this was a real person, if I recognized someone. So it did really stick with me. But even beyond that, like the idea that you know, even when you're raised as a Christian, unless you have that like perfect faith that what you're being told is real, most people question is their life after death and what that's like. And the idea that through whatever circumstances you could sort of be trapped in that sort of state is very terrifying. Like if I prayed for anything, it would to not be stuck here when I die. Like I do not want to be some you know, trapped spirit that's it's stuck in some place and you, you're just trapped there and, and can never move on. That's, that's t- terrifying. That scares me more than the idea of going to hell, honestly. Right. Thank you. Are there other ways you kind of made meaning from the experience at the time? Um, I mean, I was so young, it was really hard to sort of draw any conclusions about it at the time. About the only thing that I can say that I probably related it to is is when I was even younger than that, I think around seven, um, one of my dad's friends who we used to frequently go visit, he owned another farm down the road from us. He, he was an older man, maybe like in his late 60s, and he had a girlfriend that was like 15, 20 years younger than him, and he was very jealous and controlling, and uh, I knew her very well, too, because we spent a lot of time at their house, and he killed her and then killed himself. So I kind of always have wondered if, if it was like a domestic incident, like I do tend to sort of tie that immediately into any sort of tragedy with a woman, which I guess just speaks to my own experience. That idea that, you know, no matter what you've done as a woman, there's a man there willing to uh, punish you for it. Uh, so yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Are there 
any other ways that that, that experience impacted your life or, or other context for the experience that you think people might want to know? This is my what question should I have asked you at this job interview question. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hard to say how it how it impacts you. I, I didn't have a positive experience in that instance, right. but I have had positive supernatural experiences okay. and those definitely impact you in a different way. Right. Um, I, I think you can kind of, you take from it whatever the context is of what's happening at the time. If it, if it seems scary and it seems like whatever you're seeing is negative and comes from a bad place, a bad energy, whatever, that definitely scares you. Um, I know for a long, long time in my life, if I would see or hear or sense something that I even had an inkling was going to be like that, I would just close my eyes and be like, go away, go away. Like, I didn't want to see it. Yeah. Um, and there's always a possibility that there's other things like that out there in the world that are, are good things that you're closing yourself off to. But it, it's definitely very scary. And I, I do think our common culture sort of teaches you that any sort of ghost or entity or whatever is always either evil or vengeful or sad or, or whatever it is. Um, so that does make it a little harder to sort of process it and take anything good from the experience. And especially when you have other experiences where you, you have had people die tragically right. as our friend group has had in recent times. Um, it makes you wonder, like, are, are they stuff like that? Like, are they in that situation? And that's very hard to deal with. I, that hadn't occurred to me. That, that is difficult. Well, I'm sorry. I just put that horrible <laughs> word in your brain. Um, <laughs> My gift to you. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to process that later. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you so much for um, speaking with us and, and sharing sharing what you did. I'd love to have you back again sometime. Cool. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.